Hi, and welcome to Eat My Words, a twice-monthly Arizona Highways podcast that celebrates Arizona's unique culinary culture. I'm your host, Kelly Vaughn. On this episode of Eat My Words, I'm pleased to introduce Felicia Cocotzin Ruiz, author of Earth Medicines, Ancestral Wisdom, Healing Recipes, and Wellness Rituals from Acordandera. Felicia, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm hoping you can talk our readers through the origins of your interest in traditional cooking methods, traditional healing methods, and using the desert as a source for nourishment. So let me first, I want to first point out what a curandera is, and that might help your listeners understand the work that I'm doing. So as a curandera, it just simply means a traditional healer. Um, in my culture, we implement all different uh, natural healing modalities to, for overall wellness. And one of my strengths has always been in the kitchen with cooking. And so I, when you were saying that and I was listening, I was like, oh, this, I never thought of myself as someone who was like a traditional cooker or, you know, someone like that. But then it made me think I'm cooking traditional foods, but I don't want anyone to think that they can't use modern equipment, if that makes sense. Yes. Very fair. Also do uh, talk about um, cooking with clay vessels and things like that to connect with the um, element of earth. And and your, your culture, your history is rooted right here in the Sonoran Desert. And I know that a lot of people, one of our challenges at Arizona Highways anyway, is that people sometimes think of the desert as just this wasteland where nothing but cactus and weeds and tumbleweeds grow. Um, But in your book, and I'm going to quote here, you call it one of the most edible and medicinal landscapes of North America. Explain that to us. Right. So it's such our desert is such a mystery to so many people, especially people that, you know, didn't grow up here. Maybe they moved here later. They they don't see what I see or what my teachers have taught me. And that truly is that our desert um, is one of the most edible and medicinal landscapes actually in the entire world. Uh, we have so many plants that we that are native, that are indigenous to our desert that we can eat, prepare as teas, um, use for medicines, barks, roots, um, different herbs, so many different varieties of cacti. And yet when people come here, oftentimes it's exactly what you said. They see it as a wasteland and the only plants that they see as let's say edible or the ones that aren't aren't even native to here. Like, you know, we have a lot of citrus where I am uh, in Phoenix and, you know, that's not an an indigenous plant and it requires a lot of water. So I love teaching people that we actually have so many plants here that we can eat. We just have to know where to look. Can you give us an example of some of those plants that you use on a regular basis and that you can forage right there near your desert home or just by going out a little bit? Sure. So one thing that people, we joke about, if you're from here, you you know what I'm saying, but people often think we just have summer and summer, or, you know, summer and winter and our winter is still so nice. So they don't really think of us as having seasons here, 
but we really do and um, we can eat seasonally here and our plants are still seasonal so um, it's, it's, it is difficult for me to eat all year round things that will grow here because they are seasonal. But one of my absolute favorite things uh, that people here don't really know are edible and many hate because when they are in bloom, they, they coat your driveway with golden flowers and that would be our Palo Verde trees. So the Palo Verde tree has a delicious pod almost like what we would think of as edamame and you can steam them they're delicious they're sweet um the flowers are edible they're actually one of my most uh favorite things to to forage during that time of the year because they brighten up a salad and they really taste to me very similar to like a sunflower uh kernel so Again, those are things that people probably sweep or, you know, their landscapers blowing out of the way. And I see it as food. And, and so many of the things the desert produces are healing. They're good for us. Um, you know, is there a curative component to those Palo Verde pods? Is there a curative component to those Palo Verde flowers as well? Sure. I mean, anything that we eat, you know, uh, I always tell people, try to eat the rainbow every day, try to eat different colors of the rainbow. And so that, of course, would be nutrient dense, phytonutrients, antioxidants, things like that. I mean, it is a flower, so it's not like we can eat a whole bowl full of flowers. But, you know, we eat with our eyes. And it's so important that we eat wild and local and diverse foods also for our gut biome. So just having a little handful in your salad is something new and different to your body. And so you're getting those benefits as well. We live in a society that, you know, I I see two sides of it. I see part of society that is very interested in traditional methods of cooking and sourcing things locally and cooking seasonally as well. And then there's another component to our society that's very convenience-oriented, right? Everyone is go, go, go all the time. As you get deeper and deeper into these traditional ways, how do you find your spirit evolving, you know, getting closer to earth and closer to these traditional ways? Well, I can always tell when I'm um, farther away from from my connection to Earth. I think um, the current pandemic, you know, what we're going through with COVID really helped people reset and understand the value of taking time to get back into the kitchen. To me, it's about slow cooking and slow food, things like that. Um, I, too, sometimes need to do things in a hurry. And it's about it's about um, planning well. You know, all of our ancestors, no matter where we were from, we had to plan for certain seasons, you know, be, when food was um, very scarce. So it's kind of the same thing. Like we need to make sure that we have our pantries 
and things full of things that are help, healthful that we can create quickly. And to me, it really is about n- not allowing yourself to get disconnected. Mm-hmm. Always be connected some, somehow to, to nature because we're part of nature. One of the things I appreciated about the book as well is that it contains so much information about, you know, natural skin care and hair care, um, things that you can create from the things in the desert. It's not just about what you can consume, but it's also what you can bathe yourself in. Um, talk me through maybe, you know, one of the benefits that you find from using those natural things in your skincare regimen. Well, I just turned 50 recently, and one thing that people constantly um, comment is on my skin. And I feel that because I started my regimen early on, very uh, late teens, using almost the same things every single day, it really um, helped. I mean, it's just one of the components, right? But that for me has been one of our desert plants, which is jojoba oil. Mm-hmm. And I remember being probably 20 years old, so 30 years ago, and so many people didn't even know how to pronounce it or where did we buy it. And I had to source it out. And now you can go to so many different stores and buy it. And it's actually not an oil, it's a wax. And because we're in the desert, it's helping protect our skin naturally from, you know, the heat we have here. It's moisturizing. It's light. I use it in my hair. I use it on my skin. So, yeah. One of the things um, that really stood out to me, and I, I think it was actually in the foreword of the book, which was written by your aunt in New Mexico. And she's in Arizona. Oh, she does. Wonderful. Um, she... I believe said that a lot of the food traditions from your culture are conveyed word of mouth and there's not a lot of written history or not a a lot of written pass along about indigenous foods. What was the process of writing earth medicines like for you? Can you kind of take us through that and, and what you hope it achieves in terms of documenting some of those indigenous traditions? Right. So I want people to know that the book isn't solely comprised of different indigenous foods. It includes my indigenous foods because um, as an indigenous person, we've been colonized and have incorporated now many, let's say, Mediterranean ingredients that came with the Spaniards, which I also include in the book. But what I really wanted, a, a big intention was for people like me who are indigenous and have voices that I wanted to contribute to this narrative because so much of our history has been written by non-native people on our foods and because they are um, passed down uh, orally, it was important for me to to be part of that, that narrative. And so what I am learning now, the book has been out uh, just over a week, I believe, and people are reaching out to me saying it was so special for me to read a tea that my grandmother made or to, you talk about these things that I had never read anywhere. Or So to me, that was that was so special because, again, it's like we're in the midst of this indigenous foods movement 
and many indigenous people were starting to write these cookbooks we're starting to contribute to major magazines with our foods and i love it i'm i'm so excited to be part of it and, and in addition to sharing this wisdom with readers of the book, you offer classes as well. Can you tell us about some of those? Right. Well, I had to stop teaching because of, you know, social distancing and whatnot, but I'm hoping to, to offer those again. Um, I've taught all over the Valley, and I've mainly taught all over Arizona on, on every Indian uh, reservation in, in the community. So it's all about helping my own community uh, re-indigenize their diet for health, but also to help non-Native people understand what our foods are. You know, going back to what we were talking about, a lot of people don't know what some of our Indigenous foods are, and, and Arizona is so diverse. I mean, we have high country, we have desert, we have so many different types of foods. And I don't know all of them because I live here in the desert. But one of my favorite things is when I'm learning, you know, with other people in different climates, just how much we have. We, Arizona is just full of medicine and full of food. So it's a beautiful thing to see this all coming and I like that you talk about re-indigenizing the diet um, because there are obviously so many health benefits to, you know, eating these roots and seeds and vegetables. Um, what type of evolution do you see within, you know, the communities that you've taught? You know, what are some of the, what do they learn? What's the takeaway? What are some of the benefits for them? I would say physically, of course, people are feeling better, you know, with their health. Um, But more than that, and I talk on this often, what I see as the takeaway is our community is feeling pride again, because a lot of our foods were taken away by force and we're able to reclaim a part of our own indigeneity by eating our foods again. And there's just this sense of pride, and and that goes back to why I want, um, I would prefer for us to be the uplifters of our own foods, you know, especially since we were unable to eat them, and now we're starting to grow them again and exchange seeds and all of that. So it's definitely like this shared collective pride that we all have, um, seeing our foods back on the table. And from a you know, nationwide standpoint, I suppose, we're entering the holiday season, which can be a time of great stress for people. Um, Just a lot of go, 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 and a lot of anxiety and a lot of things to do. Moreover, I don't want to put you on the spot, but off the top of your head, can you think of a a very simple little recipe for a, a tea or something that might help alleviate some of that stress, stress and pressure for people? Sure. Um, it's not indigenous. Uh, it does grow here in Arizona, but it comes mainly from the California tribes. They do have passion flower that grows. And I love that for times of great energy, right? Lots of stress, things are happening. It really helps calm your nerves and it's really shown um, to be such a wonderful tea to have, you know, um, maybe an hour or so before you go to sleep. 
Excellent. Felicia, where can people find your book, Earth Medicines? Everywhere. So, yes, I'm very fortunate that the book is everywhere, um, all places you would buy books. I always encourage everyone to first um, contribute to our Arizona economy. So go to your independent bookstore first. And then if, you, if they don't have it, ask them to get it and then you can find it virtually everywhere else on, on larger sites. Excellent. On that note, Felicia Kokotzin Ruiz, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. For more information about Felicia Kokotzin Ruiz, visit kitchencurrendera.com. For more information about Arizona Highways, visit arizonahighways.com. Until next time, eat my words. <laughs>